You know, this is Memorial Day weekend, and you probably have some out-of-the-ordinary plans that you have. Uh, today might not be the best day for the picnic, uh, but I, I know you probably got some things planned with a three-day weekend. But the purpose of Memorial Day is to remember those that have served in the armed forces of the United States, sometimes in war and sometimes to, to keep from there being a war. And uh, we want to honor those veterans. So if you're a veteran of one of the branches of the armed forces in the United States, would you stand? You help preserve the freedoms that we have in our country. Yes. Thank you for your service. This is part five of a six-part series, so we're going to finish it next week, where we're looking at things the Bible says we should already know. And today I want to look at 2 Corinthians. Last week we looked at 1 Corinthians, and 2 Corinthians also has a number of things we're supposed to know. These, these are the basics of Christianity. Before I share the first one, I want to read Hosea chapter 4, verse 6. He says, my people, this is a prophetic message, he's speaking to his people, my people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. They don't know something. Because you have rejected knowledge, I also will reject you from being priest for me. In other words, God's just, he's got no choice but to reject us as being a priest if we don't know certain things. And then he says, because you have forgotten the law of your God, I also will forget your children. Whoa. So he's not just talking about me in my lifetime. He's talking about the next generation. He's talking about what I instill in them. He's talking about I'm setting patterns that my children are going to walk down. What are the patterns we're setting for them? That's Hosea 4.6 if you want to look that up and give it more thought. That's Old Testament prophecy, but I think it speaks for today. It's revealing God. So what's this knowledge? What are the things we're supposed to know so that we don't have to have God forget our children? Here's the first one if you want to fill in the blank and write it down. We know our resurrection is coming. Did you know that? It's a sure thing. It's on the way. It's coming. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 13 and 14 says, In the scriptures it says, I spoke because I had faith. We have that same kind of faith. So we speak because we know that God raised the Lord Jesus to life. And just as God raised Jesus, He will also raise us to life. Then he will bring us into his presence together with you. One of these days, the trumpet's going to sound. We're going to be raised up. Do you have that confidence? If we have that confidence, why are we so worried? Why do, why do we fret about so much? Because one of these days, I'm going to be raised so any kind of problem I have down here is only temporary because he's going to raise me up. That scripture he quoted, I spoke because I believed, that's quoted from Psalm 116 verse 10 if you wanted to know. 
And he's taken that and he's saying that applied back then, it also applies today. I spoke because I believed. What are we speaking? Because what we're speaking is what we really believe. If you're scared to death about something, think about, think about that. Stop talking that way. Do you believe or do you not believe? We need to get our mind under control. We need to start speaking like we expect something good. Like we're anticipating God's intervention. Like, that, like I believe it. Because we are speaking what we really believe. I think we just need to change our beliefs if we want God's favor in our life. So you can either talk about your fear or your confidence. That's a measure of faith. Both of them are. We can talk about the success I'm expecting or the failure I'm fearing. And how we talk is what we really believe. Actually, my prayer when I talk to God is very revealing. More than once I've been praying for something I really, I really wanted and I was praying for this and right in the middle of my prayer I realized how, how dumb that prayer was. <laughs> how selfish. This is all about me. And I had to go back and revise my prayer so that God knew what was really in my heart. You see, we do that accidentally. What we, what we fear, we speak out. What we doubt, we speak out. And if we're silent and don't speak anything, that also reveals our faith. Because if we really believe something, we would take action. Right? Somebody stuck their head in that back door and said, fire, fire. You wouldn't sit there very long. You'd be up and out the door if you believed it. But look at you now. <laughs> you don't believe that, do you? We take action on what we believe. So we're revealing, by the way we live, we're revealing what our faith is. So we should know our resurrection is coming. And that takes us to the second thing I want us to see. There's six of them, so i got to keep moving. The second one is, we know our future is secure. I've learned there's not much security on planet Earth. That's why we all spend a whole lot of money on insurance. Because there's not much security. And we want security. I mean, don't you want to be secure? Sure we do. That's why we have, that's why our country is at pretty much at peace in the world. But we still have a huge military force. Why? Because we're not very secure. And we want to be secure. That's why you have locks and deadbolts in your house. My dad used to keep the car keys in the open cigarette ashtray. Pull that out and put the keys in it. And sometime if he was in the city, he wouldn't put them down there where people could see it. He put it up in the visor where you had to look. <laughs> Who does that today? I'm insecure. I trust you, but you live next to some people I'm not so sure about. 
2 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 1 and 2. He says, our bodies are like tents that we live in here on earth. But when these tents are destroyed, we know that God will give each of us a place to live. These homes will, be not, will not be buildings that someone has made, but they're in heaven and will last forever. So we got to stretch our imaginations a little bit here because all of us in this room, we live in a building, uh, a brick and mortar. Somebody built that building. This is an apartment, a house, whether you own it, whether you rent it, we all live in houses. But we have to understand that back in Bible days, they lived in tents. They were nomadic people, and they traveled from place to place. So he uses a word picture for our physical bodies. This, this is not only the temple of the living God, it is also where I live. I live inside of this body that's getting older every day. I look in the mirror, and I look just like I did last week, I think. That's the tent I live in. Tents are temporary. We're getting older, like it or not. There's things, I, I, guess, I guess to say this, I'm speaking to older folks. There's things we can't do, we used to do. Some of you younger folks, you're growing into what you couldn't do in the past, so there's a constant change. But he's talking about this earthly tent, this house, this body I live in is temporary. And one day it's going to give up the ghost. It's going to die. And they're going to take my body and put it in a casket. And they're going to have a funeral service. And lots of people, hopefully you, are going to come and walk past and say, doesn't he look good? Nobody tells me that when I'm living. <laughs> this body. But one of these days, I'm going to have a new body. And it's not a tent down here that I have to keep shaving and taking pills for and brushing my teeth and cleaning my hair. It's not going to be a body like that. It's going to be a new body in Father's house. Amen. That's my goal. This is not my goal, because it's in the process of dying. That's my goal. Yeah. Yeah. But I only have one house down here to work with, so as long as I have life down here, I need to take care of that tent. If I don't take care of that tent, I can't serve God. Right. Be my limitation. So... We need to not worry about somebody wanting to harm us down here because they cannot take away my faith. They cannot kill my soul. Yeah. They can only kill my body. And when they do, I get a new one. Amen. So I, I win if I stay, but I win even bigger if I go. Amen. He's telling us we should know this. So quit being so afraid of our of, of, of our physical dwelling place because it's going to die anyway. Meanwhile, he says, we groan. I live in this earthly tent and I have to deal with deadlines and I have to deal with pressures 
And I have to deal with people dependent upon me. I have to deal with the bills that come in. I have this pressure, that pressure, the other pressure. Sometimes I want to say I just feel like traveling home. Sometimes I just want to get out of this place. Sometimes I just, I just want to quit hurting and go. My future is secure. Here's the third thing. We know we will be with Him. That's confidence Christians should have. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 5 through 8. Now, the one who prepared us for this very thing is God. And God gave us the Spirit as a down payment for our home. So we are always confident because we know that while we are living in the body, we are away from our home with the Lord. As long as I live in this tent, as long as I live in this body, I'm not in Father's house. I'm down here. Oh, I get bits and pieces, and I'm thankful that He reveals Himself to me. I'm thankful that He provides for me. He's given us a down payment of what it's going to be like before. Just, just a down payment. The Holy Spirit. He's given us the Holy Spirit so we would never doubt again. The Holy Spirit then is more than a doctrine. Yes. The Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit then has got to be an experience that so touches our hearts we don't doubt anymore. Never again will we doubt. Oh, sometimes I wonder why God didn't do that and why did God allow this to happen? But I will never doubt the reality of God again because I've tasted of His Spirit who lives inside of me on an ongoing basis. So there's three things we learn from this paragraph. The first, the Holy Spirit is the down payment so we never doubt again. Number two, to be at home in this body is to be absent from God. So no matter how much I polish this body up, no matter how much I put on makeup, no matter how much I pay them to change the color of my hair, make me look a little younger, a little more attractive, I'm still absent from God. So my goal is to get out of here and go on to the next life. Not too soon. Still got some things I want to get done. Like mowing my lawn. If it ever stops raining. And the third thing, we have to live by faith, not by sight. We have to live by faith, not by sight. I want to walk by sight. I want to be able to have some security. I want to be able to know where I'm going. But Christianity is walking by faith. Where I can't see where I'm going. But I have to trust God to have been right before where I'm going. I have to trust Him. So we know we'll be with Him. Here's number four. We know we should fear the Lord. 2 Corinthians 5 verses 10 and 11 says we all, everybody say all. I wonder who that's referring to. <laughs> we all must appear before Christ in court 
so that each person can be paid back for the things that were done while in this body, whether they were good or bad. So we try to persuade people since we know what it means to fear the Lord. We are well known by God, and I hope that in your heart we are well known by you as well. We must all stand before the judgment seat of Christ. Did you know sinners won't have to do that? Only Christians stand before Christ. And he says all Christians have to stand before Christ and give account of what we've done with our life. Sinners have to stand before God at the white, great white throne judgment. That's a scary place. But Jesus came to redeem sinners out of the sinful world and give His Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, to make us holy, to change us. That's why He gave us that Spirit. We must all give account. Every believer stands before the Redeemer to give account of why we did that. Why we did those things after we got home from church. Why we did those things in the dark that the pastor doesn't know anything about. Why we did what we did with the blessings he gave us. We're all going to have to stand before God and give account. Now that ought to put the fear of the Lord in us. Knowing that I'm going to have to give account of all those dark corners of my past. The time I lost my temper. The time I cut someone down, hurt them deeply, when God wanted me to build them up. I'm going to have to give account of all that. How, why I knew what I should do, but I did what I wanted to do. That puts the fear of the Lord in me. I know what it is to not have the favor of God in my life. I don't ever want that again. And because we Christians understand that, we understand grace. But what are we doing with grace? Are we crossing a line with grace? Or are we saying, ah, I'm saved, I guess I can do whatever I want now. We don't dare go there. And because of, the, because of the fear of the Lord we have in our heart and the firm belief that I'm going to have to stand before God and give account, we persuade others to come to Christ at the same time. Because we don't want them to have to face the same judgment we just escaped. So we pass that good news on to someone else. We know we should fear the Lord in everything we do. His Spirit's inside of me, so He knows Every secret place I've been on, on that computer. He knows everything going on in my mind. He knows that. And still loves us. Here's number five. We know about God's grace. Grace is unmerited favor. It's when somebody opens a door for you when you've never opened the door for them. It's when someone gives favor to you when you didn't know you should give favor to anybody else. Somebody just blesses you for no reason. That's grace. Yes, amazing grace. Thank God for His amazing grace. Yes. Unmerited favor. 
In 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 1, I want us to read this. He says, now brethren, so he's talking to Christians and brothers, we wish to make known to you the grace of God which has been given in the churches of Macedonia. And then we're going to jump down to verse 9. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, so that you through his poverty might become rich. I think we need to understand this transition, that Jesus Christ, the Son of God, is eternal. He always was. He was with God in the creation from the very beginning. Nothing was created that he wasn't involved in. So how do you think the second part of the Godhead lived in the throne room in heaven? I, I think he basically had everything. But he emptied himself of all that everything to come down here to this planet to identify with you and I, people like us, living in insecurity. You know, he, he was born just like you were born, a natural childbirth. His conception was miraculous, but his birth was very normal, like any other child. It was a mess, and they had to clean him up. And he was totally dependent on the caregiving of his earthly parents. And the first formative years of his life, he was running with them down into Egypt to escape the king who wanted to kill all the babies. Insecurity, Jesus stepped right into it emptied himself of all that glory to come down here into an insecure world like we have to live in so he could identify with us. Identify with us who are condemned in this sinful world and went to the cross to pay the death penalty for those of us who have it coming. He who had no sin paid the price. He emptied himself of the glory he became poor. He stepped into poverty so that you and I could be rich in spiritual things. So that we could talk to Father God anytime we want and he'll hear us. So that we can talk to Father God on behalf of other people and he'll hear us. I am rich. I'm not talking about my bank account. I'm talking about connection with God and favor with God. You and I are rich, and some of us don't know it. So that we could be rich. Come on. Everybody turn to your neighbor and say, he wants you to be rich. Here's the last one. We know how to win the battle for the mind. Right here's where the battle is. It's right here. And we know how to win it. The question is, will we win it? 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 4 and 5 says, For the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but divinely powerful for the destruction of fortresses. Or another version says strongholds. We are destroying speculations... And every lofty thing raised up against the knowledge of God. And we are taking every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. I take every thought captive. 
every thought captive. We have spiritual weapons the U.S. Marine Corps knows nothing about. Well, there's some people in there that do. Our weapons are spiritual because we recognize we're fighting a spiritual war, not a natural war. Spiritually killing other people is never the goal. Spiritually winning other people is always the goal. And there, there's tools that we have. Prayer is a spiritual tool the world doesn't understand. When I talk to God, God hears me. Things happen in the heavenlies. I can't see them happening, but if I hold on long enough, I will. Because there's spiritual breakthroughs happening in the spiritual realm. Sacrifice is another <coughs> spiritual weapon. If I take something valuable to me and I give it up, I surrender it, something happens in the spirit. I've watched this happen over my lifetime. It's not something I just believe some, some television preacher preached. I've watched it happen in my life. Turning the other cheek is a spiritual weapon. When somebody does you dirty, and you turn around and do them a kindness, it messes with their mind. They don't know how to deal with that. You're releasing something in the spirit. Love, unconditional love, it's a spiritual weapon. Use that unconditional spiritual love and you help other people succeed and God smiles on you. It's divine power over strongholds. The strongholds that are formed in my mind. I'll give you a personal example. I was raised in a home where my, my father was a middle class employee, brought in decent money, but my mom didn't know that. She was a farm girl. And she had what I call today a poverty mindset. She never thought we had money. And my dad kind of was a skin flint, pretty tight with it. But he provided. But I remember again and again as a child hearing my mom say, well, we don't have the money that they have. We can't, we can't afford what they can afford. And she grilled that in me. To by the time I became an adult, I said to myself, I, I'll never have what other people can have. I can never be what other people have. I, I am poor. And it was a mindset in me. And because I was poor, I didn't act like I had anything. I was comfortable living at the low end didn't try to achieve, didn't try to accomplish anything because I kept saying, we can't do that. We can't do that. Until God got a hold of my life and showed me that that's a wrong thinking. That's a stronghold that will hold me right there. Amen. And what I needed to do was find my niche in the world. Find out where my gift things line up with needs out there someplace in some business. And once I, once I get down that track, 
as long as I walked in the right direction, God would favor me. And blessing flowed into my life. And the rest is history. I believe that same principle applies to every one of us. We can be stuck with this stronghold of jealousy, this stronghold of poverty, this stronghold of doubt, this stronghold of will never be good enough. Nobody will ever love me. As long as you buy into this stronghold, you'll never break out of there. God loves you. It doesn't make any difference what man or woman feels. God loves you. No man or woman can ever make you feel completely loved. Only God can. So we take every thought captive. I don't buy into the enemy's lies, and I go into spiritual warfare because I know how to win the battle for the mind. I just have a hard time doing it. These are things we're supposed to know. These are basics of of Christianity. Christianity is not hoping pie in the sky by and by. Someday we'll get to heaven. It's living victoriously right now, right down here. And we got to overcome a lot of things. Amen. Let's stand together. God's called you to be an overcomer. I, I just feel impressed that we should pray for people who acknowledge that there's a stronghold in your mind. It's a negative stronghold. It doesn't line up with what God sees. If that's you, would you come down to this altar so we can pray for you that God will break this stronghold? It's a spiritual battle. God can break it. Nobody's going to ask you what it is, but you're acknowledging you know what it is, and it's limiting you, and it's holding you back. Thank you. Listen to the Holy Spirit. That's why He's here. The enemy is a liar. He he wants to tell us things that are not true. He wants to talk us into believing things that is not the way he sees us. Satan is a deceiver. He wants to convince us that God doesn't care about us. It's the devil's lie. But God's going to empower us today. We're going to believe God to change this this stronghold to break it and renew us and help us to see ourselves as a child of God. He's put his spirit inside of you. You are his child and he loves you more than you will ever know. There's a plan he has for us. We haven't seen that plan yet, but he's got a plan. We're going to believe for a breakthrough. Can I get some prayer support behind these folks? Somebody come up and want to lay hands on them as, as we pray. Yes. Thank you. Thank you. Hallelujah. Heavenly Father, you're a gracious God. And Lord, we just want to pray right now, spiritually releasing your grace and mercy into these people's lives. 
Father, help us to grab a hold of the fear of you, and with that, the recognition that you can do great and mighty things through us. We want to pray, God. We want to break these strongholds of the way we see ourselves, these warped perspectives of who we are. Help us to see us as you see us, renewed and refreshed. We want to pray for your amazing grace to work. We ask God for new newness, new life, new vision, new dream. Father, we want to pray for insight. Lord, let spiritual insight come. Revelation, gifts of the Spirit. We don't want to function in the natural. We want to function in you. So let the power of your Holy Spirit renew us, refresh us, make us what you want us to be, and move us to the next level in our spiritual walk. We pray this in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, Amen. 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 Let's give God a hand. God's good. Don't believe the lie. Believe the truth. Amen. And the way to discover the truth is to walk in His God's grace, in God's grace, experience it, and read the Word. He's given us these things in the Word. And sometimes it's reading between the lines. He's going to give us deep spiritual insight on how to live victoriously. Go do it. Yes. Amen? Amen? Amen. God bless us as we, as we go out these doors. You are, you are blessed. Have peace and have courage. Go with God. He loves you.